0: Low morals ahead.
1: Well, nice work if you can get it.
0: No wonder you've never made it into birding society.
1: (laughs) Well, cross that off your bucket list. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's the bloody, bloody battalion of pals. I'm Kelly Anakin. <laughs> and I'm
0: Tom Schneider. We
1: are properly married. We are
0: happy as sand boys.
1: That sounds real creepy. It does, doesn't it? That's very creepy sounding.
0: Yeah, and said quite creepily on the show, yeah. as, as we shall see.
1: Indeed. Uh, welcome back. For our very last Parades End podcast.
0: That's right. Parades End End.
1: And in fact, the very last podcast uh, we are recording in 2013. (laughs) That's right. More on this later. (laughs) Uh, We actually had no uh, emails or telegrams this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll dispense with Cousin of the Week. Fair enough. We do have an announcement from our parent network, Bald Move. That's right. Uh, this December, they are donating all proceeds from their Amazon affiliate link to Child's Play, which is a charity that raises money to benefit children's hospitals and women's shelters worldwide. So we definitely encourage all of you, if you're not already shopping local... Uh, if you're going to use Amazon.com, please click Amazon.BaldMove.com. You can also access that link through the BaldMove.com website. That's right. Do your shopping and help out some kids and women who need it. We will be doing the same. That's right. And uh, Merry Holidays to all of our cousins. <laughs>
0: Indeed.
1: In fact, we have a link up for a special Up Yours Downstairs wish list. Some of you have in the past expressed an interest in purchasing...
0: Some sort of thank you gift for us. Right. And while we feel a bit odd about that,
1: uh, we have given some options yeah. and that has been posted on our Facebook page and also on Twitter. So if you would like to purchase something for us, please, uh, feel free, but please don't feel obligated. Absolutely. Your continued downloading of this podcast is thanks enough. Exactly. And I guess that uh, brings us to the recap. That's right. Let's just dive right in.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, we start out at Campion's office, and he is summarizing the situation. He says, so we've got... Would uh, you
1: say he's reviewing (laughs) the situation?
0: Um, You could say that, yeah.
1: I would definitely say that. I know you would. Thanks.
0: (laughs) Uh, He says that... They've got C. Batch, who was supposed to go to the horse line and is instead going to the trenches. They've got McKechnie, who hates C. Batch and was supposed to go to the trenches, but instead going to the horse line, which he views rightly as a humiliation. And then they've got Potty Perrone, who's being sent to the trenches as punishment. And in all that, it takes a real transport genius to put them all on the same train.
1: Yep. Cut to...
0: That train. Yeah. <laughs> Which is being bombed, which certainly doesn't make things less awkward. Oh, very right.
1: well. You know, uh, was it McKechnie who was peeing himself before about the
0: bombing? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, he
1: seems to have calmed the hell down because he I mean, keeps, in a way. <laughs> well, look, Mckechnie yeah. is a high-strung dude. <laughs> he is. Yes. Potentially one of my favorite tertiary characters <laughs> yeah. in this show. Yeah. Uh, but he's come a long way from nearly pissing himself in fear to instead saying, oh, calm down, potty Perone. Right. Uh, the Hun never hits what they're aiming at. And then reveals to him that some, you know, pretty ladies with a tea shop got blown to bits. Right. At which point Teejins is like, could you shut up? <laughs> like, we're all already very unhappy. Right. This is not helping.
0: Uh, McKechnie also reminds Tejans that the st- seal is still unbroken on the sonnet that he will translate at a later date.
1: Uh, also accuses him of pimping his wife out in order to gain promotion.
0: Right. Which Potty then takes offense potty! at. Potty! <laughs> And uh, starts yelling that, that McKechnie's not fit to, and then is like, oh, not that it's my place to defend her.
1: Boy, what a
0: stoop. Yeah, I what mean, does it take? You've been sent to the trenches for this. What is it going to take? And
1: you're in front of her husband. <laughs> right. Like, what happened to the potty Perrone that was terrified he was going to murder you?
0: Yeah, indeed. I mean, he
1: wasn't that much better, but at least, you know, it was an ethos.
0: <laughs> right. It was made some kind of sense. Um, Kechny's also very upset that Seabatch batch is going to his old battalion.
1: The Battalion of Pals! Right,
0: his poor old Poor battalion. old Colonel Bill. Poor old Colonel Bill. He, he just feels that, you know, Seabatch batch is a blight yeah. on, on his old pals.
1: Yeah, well, you know, they, they take a lot of pride in their battalion. Uh, yeah. He says they're the best battalion in the line. And uh, he's quite put out not to be going back there.
0: Yeah, he, he is.
1: Despite uh, the fact that the uh, horse lines is a, is a slightly better, uh you know, safer right. uh, assignment. But.
0: Yeah, but he's he's unhappy. Potty comes quite close to getting shot or, you know, some bullets or shrapnel come through right next to his head. Uh, he he asks what it's like to stop one, do you think? And Teachins tells him that you go numb and there's no pain at all. And Potty's like, oh, well, I feel much better.
1: Which, wow, I mean, I don't know. I've never been shot. That's true. It seems like maybe that's not how it would be. But uh, when you're, you know, going to war, I think that's probably the
0: best attitude to have. It probably is. Well, I also think that from, you know, my reading of various works of violent fiction, (laughs) that my understanding is that when you're shot, you don't feel the pain for a few seconds, Uh at least. So if it's a quickly fatal wound, maybe you never get around to feeling it. Well, that's
1: comforting to think of.
0: (laughs) When, When next you're in the trenches. We then see mary colligan who is sleeping peacefully in
1: a very gauzy looking bedroom yeah
0: and a halo of white light it's uh it's it's pretty nice yeah (laughs) she
1: like slowly wakes up and i'm like is she gonna rub one out right now like that is super what it looked like Uh,
0: but no she just smells bacon yeah you know how she gets around bacon Uh she she heads down and her mother greets her. Uh she is, says that she smelled bacon. She says that there are also snowdrops and it's her birthday as it turns out. And
1: Valentine's Day. And Valentine's which of- is revealing the very uncreative origins of her
0: name. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh it was like, "Oh, of course." Yeah. Uh she got a Valentine and is she, you know, and th- there's several times in this scene where it's like, "Oh, there's a Valentine for you. It's from your mom."
1: I you know, again, I'm not totally clear because she says, thank you for the Valentine and then her mother says me question mark and then that's never addressed again. So oh. maybe it was from Christopher. I don't
0: I think if it was from Christopher, she would have gone back up to rub one out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fair point. Yeah. There is a telegram, however. Right. Uh and it is in Latin. So Maybe that's from Christopher. Right. Nope, it's just from Edward. That little. Boo. Shit. <laughs> Boo, Edward. Yeah. No one likes you.
0: Who says, Long live the October Revolution in Latin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not to be censored and possibly shot. You know, like, I don't yeah. know. What could, what could happen? So,
1: to uh, Miranda Richardson, a.k.a. Uh, Mrs. Mary Culligan. Do we have a name for her?
0: I just. I've been. One up. <laughs> Ma one-up. One-up. <laughs> mama <one-up.
1: laughs> uh she's like oh great he's a Bolshevik now and then Valentine's like well Fucking, we all should be Bolsheviks, send everybody off to kill each other. And then her mom's like, whoa, calm down. Yeah. Your brother's in Glasgow. You need to just chill. And she's like, I don't care. I don't want to have a birthday if he's lying dead somewhere. And her mom's like, no, seriously, your brother's <laughs> in Glasgow. And Valentine's like, seriously, everyone hates him. I'm not even talking about him. <laughs> right. I wish I never was born in this stupid <laughs> family.
0: I hope he is lying dead in Glasgow.
1: So she runs upstairs to her room, and all of a sudden, finally finally, finally, old Wanup is <laughs> like, "Oh, wait a second,
0: are you in love with Christopher teachens Perhaps this is why every time I mention his name, she almost passes out.
1: <laughs> I just thought she was on a period. <laughs> uh anyway, Mrs. Wanup is like, "Ah, uh, girl, you know he's married, and Valentine's like, "Have you not been watching this
0: whole miniseries? <laughs> right." Like stop being so old-fashioned, mom. Nobody cares about that anymore.
1: Anyway, she says something very sweet about how every word she and Christopher, St- uh, every word she and Christopher Teagans have spoken to each other has been a declaration of love, and it's very cute.
0: It is very cute. Then we cut back to the trenches, which are not cute at all. They are the opposite of cute, <laughs> indeed. Seabatch uh, reports to the the dugout headquarters. Uh, they say, you know, blah blah blah. the the the, the, the would a, a battalion? Yes? yes. Ret, battalion is at about th- one third strength at this point. And they say, you know, the Germans bomb at such and such times each day, and the RSM will show them around when it's quiet. As the RSM is showing them around, the colonel wanders by, pulls himself up out of the trench, wanders into no man's land, carrying a flask the whole way heads over, peers down into one of the German trenches. A German sees him and, like, shouts and throws something at him. He hurls the flask at the German and then sort of strolls back to his own <laughs> trenches.
1: Well, my favorite part of this... Okay, there's two favorite parts. Yeah. One of the... I, maybe the RSM, because, like, Tegens is like they're like, looking through his binoculars and somebody's like hey they're gonna shoot you he's like they would shoot the (laughs) ceo if they were gonna shoot and they do for my second favorite thing like the ceo gets back in the trench and like (laughs) it takes still like 10 seconds (laughs) it took the whole of the time (laughs) right then he went he had thrown the flask It took that whole time for them to get anybody with a gun. This is a war, everyone. (laughs) Ostensibly, the whole point of it is to kill each other. But they were like, what shit? We weren't expecting that. So they don't start shooting until he's already well back into safety. (laughs) Right.
0: Well, and I think, you know, but it's partly... I get the impression that it's one of these things where there's not any particular action going on at this point. Yeah. You know, because as they had said, the Germans had sort of fallen into their regular schedule. Uh Uh-huh. So, you know, I guess to an extent, he may have just known that they were going to be kind of just having breakfast and whatever. Did
1: they strafe back ever?
0: I think they did. Like, yeah, I think they did eventually.
1: I just meant in general. Because, I mean, in all the time that we're in
0: the oh, war scenes yeah. it feels
1: like all we ever see is a german attack we never see them go on the offensive
0: right i mean well, and i and
1: know that they were at that camp before it wasn't like
0: right they were right. in
1: great position to be attacking yeah
0: hard to say well and especially i mean most of the war it was more it was more that the british and french were on the offensive more often than the germans in general but you know i don't know and i mean a lot of other times in this episode we sort of come in in the middle of things and that's it's not, true not clear who started it
1: In medias res, if you're (laughs) stupid Edward. Yeah. He's my second least favorite Edward in popular culture after Edward Cullen.
0: (laughs) That's that's not bad. Thanks. At the School of (laughs) Wannup. Yeah. Uh, the girls are all gathered in in the dormitory.
1: Didn't they hear the bell?
0: <laughs> uh, they did not.
1: I think it's actually the game, ro- like the locker room, because all their oh, their okay. like lacrosse sticks were lying around. Okay,
0: which would make sense that is why Wanda yeah. comes in, but not before uh, they have all gathered around, and one of them is reading from a a uh, sex book, like it's saying things like, uh, uh, "The
1: husband uh petted and." some euphemism for intercourse her right. regularly but never aroused in her the passion for a mutual meeting and it's all it's very classy yeah actually. yeah
0: like it's it's you know it's not you know it's not erotica yeah you know but uh yeah but they're all giggling like schoolgirls <laughs>
1: <laughs> well cross that off your bucket list <laughs> saying that phrase perfectly in context <laughs>
0: It it had never come up before. Um, but yeah, Wannup comes in and, and shoes them all off to class and then stumbles across the book. And the book is entitled Married Love, A New Contribution to the Solution of Sex Difficulties by uh, Marie Stope who I believe was a a doctor of education.
1: Yes. Well, she definitely had a PhD. I couldn't quite read what the deal was with her actual field. Right.
0: Uh, And she she opens it up to a chapter entitled The Broken Joy, which, man, that is classy as hell. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Wait, what's The Broken Joy?
0: Uh, I mean, I think it's just that, you know, uh, non-mutual satisfaction.
1: Ah, I see. You know. I presume. Fair enough. They need to watch that movie where Rupert Everett invented vibrators. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's more useful than anything he's done in this miniseries.
0: Good Lord. Although he was... (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. Sorry, I keep confusing him with Rufus Sewell.
1: Ah, yeah. Rufus Sewell, Rupert Rupert Everett, they really are the...
0: uh bill pullman and bill paxton of britain of, of britain yeah. yeah which
1: is weird because their names aren't even remotely that
0: similar. <laughs> it's true because yeah because rufus Sewell was damn near inventing vibrators in yeah he series.
1: was pretty close he was very into mutual satisfaction but yeah. his spouse was not
0: yeah oh and we'll get to
1: her. oh spoiler alert don't even get me started yeah <laughs>
0: We'll, we'll have to get you started later, but we'll I wait. know,
1: <laughs> but right now we have other want-ups to
0: want-up. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So the teachers are all discussing the uh Yeah, it's the all the ladies'
1: work. teachers in their ladies' lounge, and this, this and then a later scene involving Miranda Richardson are two of my favorite scenes in this entire miniseries. Yeah,
0: it's so great. You know, they're, they're talking about it, and of course there's a couple of them are just super scandalized. Uh, but-
1: well, there's really only one who's really vocal. There's one who's maybe unsure. Okay. There's one not, no-nonsense lady who appears to be the headmistress, like second in command to the head, yeah. who I presume is a man.
0: Oh, that would make sense, yeah. You know, somebody was certainly the ranking person in the room. Yeah,
1: so she's looking at the book. Right. Another woman is saying, oh, you know, surely it can't be all that wicked. She's like, what if What if Miss Wanup just gave it to the head and said she found it somewhere and didn't rat the girls out? Right, right. And you know, the the very against it woman is saying that it's it's filth and how much of it did you read, Miss Wannup? And Miss Wannup says she read uh quite a lot of it actually. <laughs> yeah. And she then comes out and says that she was a suffragist mm-hmm. when she was the age of the senior girls that they teach. And apparently the other teachers weren't aware of her past, it's it for, seems. It
0: sort of seems that way, yeah. But uh. she
1: says uh she says that she thought that getting the vote would make her happy, and now they've got the vote. You know, some of them do anyway. Right. And uh, it turns out that the vote has very little to do with actual happiness. And then, you know, somebody chimes it and says, but it's a book for married women. Right. And WANUP says that, you know, girls want to get married, and a lot of them are going to be getting married very soon. Mm-hmm. And don't they all want them to be happy? Yeah. And I'm like, I wish Miss Wannup had taught my postponing sexual involvement class <laughs> in uh, in high school. Because, you know, she's not advocating for any of them to unpostpone their sexual involvement. Right. She's simply saying that, you know, yeah. they're all, you know, they're in, still in a time period where girls get married quite young.
0: Yeah. And I mean, honestly, you know, to whatever extent, whatever she feels about the uh, the institution of matrimony, you know, the case she's making is not against it it's in a any quite way moral case yeah it's and it's it's not against the ethics of society like she's not being revolutionary with this no
1: but i mean she is being a bit revolutionary well, in the sense that the idea of women enjoying sex at all is something that has not uh, until this point and even in the present day right is not at all emphasized in our culture sure sure anyway that's a great scene
0: yes we give it thumbs up uh, then back in the trenches, uh, where there's a lot of bombs going off, uh, and there's there's a raid going on, and a German actually makes it into the trench, and there's a brief fight in the dark, and basically what happens is that the Hun is seriously wounded, and the British soldier is killed by him because the stretchers bear the stretcher bearers come along, and Seabatch tells him to take the Hun first because he's still alive, uh-huh. um, and their man is dead, and then boy and then uh colonel rambo takes charge (laughs) (laughs) colonel bill just picks up a machine gun walks up out of the trenches and just fires from the hip and
1: uh another thing i don't know if they ever say like his official title is colonel williams and i'm like is his name is his name william William Williams?
0: williams Or right
1: <laughs> I mean my actual theory is that his name is Colonel Williams and then Colonel Bill is is what the the pals right have, the good old have pals. dubbed him you know because his last name his first name is probably Eustace or something <laughs> right
0: <laughs> I think that's the most likely scenario I agree Eustace.
1: <laughs> yes Eustace Williams <laughs> one of the pals <laughs> Eustace is Latin for pal it's not <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, in the the dugout mckechnie is reading some kind of magazine and
1: he's wearing like a fur <laughs> coat he's wearing a lady's fur coat that and, is what it looks like
0: and speculating as to who the handsomest man in england is
1: my my
0: which is the i think i can't remember if i wrote it i wrote was it rupert brooke was the guy that maybe they were saying? he
1: says it's some person's chauffeur
0: Right. He says that somebody else's chauffeur was the real handsomest man in England. Well, like,
1: uh you're wearing that coat, so I think you think you're the real handsomest man. <laughs> I wonder if he's uh an Oscar Wilde type.
0: I you know, you it wouldn't have come up and apart from this scene
1: yeah that's true but i mean i didn't think of it just until you mentioned that that was what he was discussing right but i mean he is like he's just very obsessed with that sonnet
0: he is obsessed with that
1: i think he's definitely on the spectrum (laughs) regardless of his sexual preference fair enough because he's still got it right do you think that he's cracked it do you think he's opened it and read the sonnet
0: (laughs) right uh, he has not. He has not.
1: This is my favorite MacGuffin, by the way. <laughs> yeah,
0: because it's we can't even. We're leaving out time. Literally,
1: when, everyone else except for him has forgotten about it. Like, right? You know, or
0: doesn't care at the yeah. least. Yeah, but he 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 has it on his person at all times and mentions it at all times. Oh yes, it is kind of weird, but enjoyable. Yeah,
1: he's our kind of weirdo.
0: <laughs> he is. Sad news, however. Potty Perrone is no more.
1: Potty It doesn't really work.
0: It doesn't work so well that uh,
1: way. Well. No, he has died, and uh, dumb as he was, a bit sad to see him go.
0: Indeed. You know, I mean, the ongoing humiliation of his life was punishment enough.
1: That's true. Yeah. But it was still a life.
0: Well, right, exactly. You
1: know, he got his knob slopped once.
0: <laughs> All over Europe, in fact. <laughs> That's That's true. Next, we cut to the Groby Tree.
1: Ah!
0: Yeah. And my first thought was, hey, maybe at this point, the Groby Tree will, like, rise up and try to cross into France to fight for England. (laughs) (laughs) I wish that it had. I wish that, too. And I
1: never enjoy this Ent-style bullshit. That
0: would have been amazing. It would have been. And it
1: would have solved Sylvia's problem. Well, exactly. (laughs) Everybody wins, except the hunt. (laughs)
0: The Han never wins.
1: You can say that again.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> As people that just watch The Sound of Music.
1: Oh, God. You guys. <laughs> look. Sound of Music Live. So terrible. This is, this is being posted weeks, weeks after, after that yeah. happened. But, but OMG, oh, you guys. Wow. So bad. What Roll the bad. fuck? Yeah. Seriously. That is all we have to say.
0: <laughs> Indeed. And then, Michael Teachins speaks. He says words. He's uh, saying his uh, nightly prayers and being tucked into bed by...
1: Marchie. <laughs> Marchie. is his governess's name. Uh, yes. It's very cute.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: And Marchie clearly has developed quite the relationship with young Michael, being the only non-insane person <laughs> he's ever encountered.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, one of the insane persons, Hello Central, comes in at this point. <laughs> Uh, and uh, says that he's been summoned downstairs.
1: Well, and Margie was like, your mom will be up. And then immediately Hello Central's like, she says to send him down! And then, you know, Michael tries to engage her about fairy sprites, and she's (laughs) like, I'd rather die from a bomb. Bombs are natural! And I feel sad for her. Yeah. Just as a person.
0: Boy, just wait till the Groby tree rises up and smites her. (laughs) as it surely must <laughs> indeed uh although not if sylvia has her way she is arguing with her mother downstairs in ray the groby tree and uh everything else yeah you know
1: mrs uh <laughs> is yeah. all uh leave the groby tree alone and sylvia's like no i will not
0: yeah, and I have to say, Mrs. Satterthwaite, like, even though I'm mostly on her side in this argument, she's so annoying to me. She's, oh, really? Well, she's just, like, sitting there being so holier than thou the whole time, and, oh, I'm so great, and I'll pray for you. And well, blah, how blah, are blah. you
1: supposed to know she's a good Catholic? Uh. Look, you know, I have more sympathy for her because Father Consett got hanged. Well, you know what, Honestly, that's a good point. like, that's I true. had my issues with Father Consett. He, again, yeah. I'm team c as regards him. Right. And, oh, God. Anyway, yeah, yeah. look. And no, there's no Mr. Satterthwaite. Like, life is just not... Or I guess she's Lady Satterthwaite. Whatever. Right. The point is, her life right now sucks. Because on top of all of the other things that have happened to her, Sylvia's her daughter.
0: Th- no, that's true. I mean, that would suck for anyone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're sort of saying that Sylvia only wants to cut the tree down to punish c-batch for his crush on uh wanup and uh, she says sylvia says that she'll be you know she refuses to lose her husband to the ladies champion of the regular bowel movement uh
1: you know regular bowel movements are somewhat important
0: yeah uh (laughs) do you have them sylvia maybe that's why you're so upset all the time
1: oh p.s i did find out what pulling the strings of the shower bath means oh yes it does mean, like, taking a cold shower, you know, pulling the strings and causing cold water to splash all over the assembled people.
0: Okay, So okay. it does mean,
1: you know, raining on one's parade. Okay. Uh, so that's what that means.
0: Excellent. Thank and you. And
1: also, I found that out when you f- Google that phrase, all that comes up is this interview with C <laughs> But he had some interesting thoughts on the character of Sylvia. Oh, yeah. And he suggests that perhaps she was uh, bipolar, actually. Hmm. which would explain why she's such a huge bitch
0: <laughs> yeah no that's uh that's that's reasonably because she
1: at no point ever seems to understand that she's done anything bad right you know
0: right and she yeah no i uh oh, would to go see
1: yes look he's oh, man renaissance renaissance <laughs> melted candle face man.
0: <laughs> indeed <laughs> Uh, So, yeah, the the argument builds to a pitch. Michael comes in, gets yelled at, leaves. Yeah, it's awful. God, poor Michael. Poor Michael.
1: He's the only one in this thing whose fate we don't wind up seeing at the end. Yeah. And I just... Yeah.
0: Uh, You know, not great. Sole heir to a fabulous estate, sure.
1: But uh, at what cost? At
0: what cost? Yeah. Ugh. And Sylvia is thinking about... Moving to India, apparently. uh, Yeah, apropos
1: of nothing. Yeah,
0: just just like, hey, what about India? And her mom's like, India? And that's where the scene ends. So back in the trenches, more fighting is going on. Uh, Colonel Crazy is just throwing bottles out of the trench at this point. And this is pretty much the last straw at least, you know, his Rambo thing, you know, did the trick. Yeah. <laughs> the bottles aren't getting anywhere. And C. Batch basically says, listen, I'm taking over. I'm sending him to the medical officer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and taking over in the interim. So, uh, so long, Colonel Bill. Poor Billiam. <laughs> yeah, Billiam. I like that. Sylvia is sitting at tea with uh, Mrs. Murray whatever her name is yeah uh, bobby
1: pelham's mother but her name would not be pelham because bobby was anyway right. look yeah <laughs> let's not play six degrees of bobby pelham right
0: now. <laughs> right. uh they're discussing bobby who uh has gotten knocked up and is having a quick marriage
1: no it wasn't no no no,
0: no. who this was? wasn't somebody was
1: well she may have gotten knocked up but she was bolting
0: right um, yeah but it
1: starts off with oh, her saying, okay so with her
0: saying the marriage is happening like very soon from now uh-huh. and she's like oh so congratulations are due and she's like yeah
1: i thought she just meant congratulations were due for the marriage
0: no i'm pretty sure that what that meant was the marriage is because then she says when and sept- i'm pretty sure that's what that was about oh, that no, no. A, i thought it
1: was just about the marriage yeah but i think um, you're wrong i defy you i defy you <laughs> <laughs> We're at a stalemate
0: Well, we'll resolve this You'll see, the sonnet is still sealed Oh, God <laughs> But in any case Mrs. Murray says that, you know, I can't help Seabatch with anything, but Sylvia's like No, I'm here about Campion uh, And she apparently is, is Sorry for me, He's like a war horse In a paddock And needs a, needs a fighting command In order to, you know, be happy Or get any recognition or anything like that uh, Murray comes in at this point and is like, oh, well, he's the the only man that can do the job. Blah blah blah. Uh, but uh we also
1: learned that his name is Bertram. Yes. Bertram something. Yeah.
0: Bertie Murray. <laughs> um Although apparently uh the previously discussed General Perry is going to be getting forced out soon. He's taken to having his friends write letters to the newspapers on his behalf, which was definitely something that was a feature of World War One was General's bitching to the media. Uh, and all that sort of thing. I mean, I, really, most wars since the media has been around.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't see what the point of the media is. <laughs> right. Otherwise.
0: Yeah. Uh, but Sylvia suggests that Campion could get that role, and that would lead to a decoration, or a, to a peerage at the end of it, and then perhaps India, where he had served with distinction before. And Bertram's like, okay, I make all my decisions based on random suggestions from whores I know. <laughs> Campion is in London, and Sylvia meets him there. He has ordered himself back to uh, try and get some support from headquarters, basically. Uh, so Sylvia invites him up to Groby and says that this press lord will be here, the press lord being the person that is now married to Bobby
1: Pelham. Bycham, I think is Yeah, his name.
0: Lord Bycham or something like that. And he is also Sylvia is also enlisting him to campaign for Campion. And it comes out at this point that Seabatch has been sent to the front, which Sylvia did not know. Yeah. Uh, but Campion's like, it, well, I had no choice after her, dot, dot, dot. And she's like, oh, right.
1: Well, she pretty much agreed. She's like, oh, No, yeah. I mean, she, she Good doesn't. Good point.
0: Yeah, she can argue. And she knows it. So we see Seabatch wading through the ter- trenches, which are, look like they're about six inches deep in water. And uh, he's startled by a sk- skylark that skylarks out at him. And then he has kind of a stopperty conversation with some uh, low-ranking commoner soldier who's like, oh, there's been a Scarlet- skylark every day, and then they don't care about war, and something about that – what does the skylark care, whether it's a machine gun or a What plow. does the
1: lark say? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine.
0: Yeah, that's, that's roughly what they say. Great. I've never hung out with the Skylark much. Me neither. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, cause the soldier thinks that, that uh, they just know that they won't get shot at, but Seabatch thinks that they're just miserably depressed and, you know, slogging on to their inevitable doom. So they've got sort of different outlooks on life. Yeah, I imagine. and the soldier. <laughs> That's not what I think when I see skylarks. I've never seen one. Yeah, me neither. But I assume I'd find them relatively cheery.
1: I'm blind in my lark eye.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. No wonder you've never made it in the birding society. Well, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Uh, they hear 09-something, uh... Griffiths maybe? Yeah Griffiths Okay uh, He's playing a bugle A, parent, a cornet or, Okay For McKechnie Who is uh, Planning some sort of You know
1: Follies Follies Funny right Funny how he never Goes to the horse line Right, like well, he's just decided he's <laughs> gonna bunk up with the pals and never go where he's supposed to go.
0: Apparently, yeah, because uh, Seabatch, you know, tracks him down and first of all, you know, chews him out for wearing his parade hat and not a steel or not a tin hat, tin helmet. And McKechnie is just crazy and doesn't care. Yeah, and keeps pulling his sonnet out and everything like yeah. that. Uh So yeah, they they fight a bit. And finally, C-Batch pulls rank on him and orders him out of his sight or whatever. Uh, and then some guns start firing. There's there's a battle. And it cuts to the end of the battle. McKechnie's still there, and he's wandering around the trenches with some lower-ranking soldier uh, discussing the sonnets with him. I like, think
1: it's that one, the optimistic one, I thought was the same.
0: Uh, maybe it was the same. It I may don't not know. be, but... Yeah.
1: They're discussing the difference between a uh, Shakespearean and an Italian sonnet.
0: Indeed. But yeah, uh, so Seabatch runs into him and is, you know, sort of surprised that he's still there. Uh, But McKechnie's like, oh, by the way, Campion's in charge now. So there's that. Seabatch then, like, uh, has a little collida vision. uh, Well, he
1: hears the song, and it's a song that he knows.
0: Oh, okay. And And he's singing along with it. Yeah.
1: And uh, he has a, he has one-up vision. Right. And then when he comes out of it, a soldier comes up to him, and it's the one with the with the cornet mm. I think
0: no, I think it's a different one because the guy'cause this is the one with uh Minette
1: oh I'm sorry, then this is him thinking about her with
0: right yeah. Oh, right well first, what happens is he's chatting with uh one of his soldiers who I can't remember his name it was a uh, kind of a spanish sounding name
1: that's the one I was thinking of it's yeah. I want to say Erasmendi, but that's the name of a bakery <laughs> by our house. Right.
0: In any case, he says, uh, Seabatch asks after his, uh, his flame, who is like Nanette, and he's like, oh, Nanette, sir. And then he says, remember that hun that got shot in both eyes? He says, you know, girls won't forgive you for, for losing your beauty, will they, sir? And it's a, it's a affecting little moment mm-hmm. to me. Um, and then Seabatch, hallucinates that Wanup is walking up to him in uniform for a second uh but then it turns out it's just the guy this bugle with guy this bugle guy the
1: boogie woogie bugle boy of company b i yeah. would imagine
0: <laughs> and i'm like i don't know maybe c batch maybe you should like visit madame Suzette, take the edge off like every hallucinating uh, Tom, female soldiers in the trenches
1: it took him this long just to get to the point where he would he like they have not even kissed each other yet well still.
0: <laughs> no you're right So Seabatch goes and visits Billiam in uh, the medical area or whatever, who is, yeah, kind of crazy, but kind of uh, lectures him about not knowing, you know, the bombs and not not being as expert on what the Germans are are doing as he is. He says, maybe I'll give you a bad report. But then he's like, no, I guess I won't. They say you're Campion's bastard.
1: And Seabatch is like, I'm his godson and He's like, ah, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah. But he just, you know, he doesn't want to get in trouble with a ger- with a general. He's right, still got right. enough of his faculties at this point. Yeah. And he's like, that seems like a bad move.
0: all right, <laughs> right. And some other uh, soldier comes in and is like, oh, the brigade wants to know how we're doing, and he's like, we're doing fine, blah blah blah. And he's like, all right, uh, this this officer is taking over. C batch is taking over. Tell brigade we're as happy as sand, boys um you know might as well give him a cheerful impression to start and i'm not even because like he has this he has a very specific crazy that i'm not doing justice to um
1: it's like it's that sort of thing where you haven't slept in like three weeks
0: yeah yeah but neither of us knew what sandboys were so i looked it up uh and apparently what a sand boy was was the name of those who delivered sand to public houses, theaters, and homes in the 18th and 19th century. Uh, sand being used, and I would think this would be more primarily in public houses and theaters, but given that people would just sort of spit on the floor all the time, you would uh, just lay down sand. It was basically like kitty litter.
1: Yeah, or like having rushes in the medieval era. Right, right, era.
0: exactly. Uh,
1: why would those people be as... Particularly happy?
0: Good question. Answer, they were generally drunkards.
1: (laughs) Ah! Well, nice work if you can get it. Yeah.
0: So Seabatch heads back out to the trenches and he finds, like, a boot or something? Yeah,
1: that was very unclear.
0: Yeah, and, like, it moves him to tears.
1: Maybe it was some remnant of the dead hun or that other, or the injured hun or the dead
0: guy. Yeah, I mean, I guess it must have been something like that, but it was.
1: Yeah, you know. he
0: he's also not doing great. <laughs> right. He goes off and hallucinates through some binoculars for a change. Um, he sees like a country house and a carriage and then it's no man's land again.
1: Well, he sees also himself and Wanup uh, in the field when they were waiting for the, the horse doctor. Right,
0: right. Yeah, he remembers the horse times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He asks somebody to get him a sandwich and a coffee with some rum in it, uh, which... That sounds great. Yeah, I would always like a sandwich and coffee with some rum in it.
1: Yeah, so you can get us something from our Amazon wish list, <laughs> or even send us a sandwich and some co- and a coffee with some rum in it. Absolutely. That would be great.
0: Gratefully appreciated. And the corporal that has brought it to him, Seabatch re- sort of recognizes his accent. It turns out he is from right near Groby. <gasps> yeah, uh, he's walked up there many a time. His father goes down, uh, he's a coal miner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes down in some pit. I forget what the name Groby of it pit, was. <laughs> I think. No, no, no. no, no. It, was, uh, it was a town. Batley. Batley, yeah. Uh, and he says that his sister has a comb in Groby Tree. Uh, and <laughs> she's wondering if she can get it back. Her hair's a mess.
1: No! <laughs> it is now the Groby Tree's comb.
0: <laughs> uh, but no, in fact, the they're both very fond of the groby tree, and the corporal says that he will gladly help him. Uh,
1: pro- Prop the house up if uh, anyone ever tries to say they should cut the groby tree down. That's right. Because it's ruining foundations, yeah. etc. That's a full-time cut-
0: job. Yeah, because if they cut groby down, then it wouldn't be groby. Well, no, it might be habitable. Yeah, right.
1: Although, I don't know. I've grown to fearfully... Love the groby tree.
0: <laughs> you've grown to fear its displeasure.
1: <laughs> well, look, I'm not indifferent. Right. I'm still terrified.
0: Still, ter- but you've you've come to accept that it has a place.
1: Well, I mean, certainly, it's this- really the only thing so far that hasn't betrayed seabed. <laughs> that so, that is true. It's got that going for it.
0: And you know, the corporal is by no you know he's totally sincere he is a big fan of the groby tree yes and well and it's it just it's around.
1: nice and Seabatch says to him i shall remember your sandwiches all the rest of my days and then the guy's like oh great like i'll take this uh you know tray back up yeah and then Seabatch <laughs> drains the cup throws it and breaks it yeah you know of course they're using you know ceramic dishes and right. he says that uh uh so that uh
0: a toast less noble may, may never be drunk from it.
1: And I'm like, you are losing your damn mind. <laughs> yes. I mean, I like it.
0: Like this is how Colonel Williams started out, buddy.
1: <laughs> yeah, just smashing cups, drinking rum.
0: <laughs> like it's fine for a while.
1: Well, you know, maybe he feels like the boys won't like him if he's not a bit of a loose cannon.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: No, but he finally has friends.
0: Yeah, he does have friends. He- oh. They talk they talk about their loves mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I'm sure that, you know, it'll work out for you or whatever. Yeah. And, uh... Well,
1: that's actually this, the other guy. That's not the Batley guy. That's the right. guy that's, that's not Arizmendi, but he is. Right. For purposes of this podcast. Right.
0: We'll have to go with, with Arizmendi. With Minette. Yeah.
1: Well, because he says that and he sees and do that. He's like, oh, you must love somebody. See that? She's like, I may consider it one day. <laughs> No, but he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to get that Juan up. He, yeah. He's got a, a swagger about him that he hadn't had before he met that groby-loving fool from Batley.
0: Yeah. Well, and at one point, and I think it might have been in the previous scene, but Ares says to him, uh, if I stop one, will you tell him in that? And he interrupts him. He's like, little, skinny little buggers like you don't stop, yeah. stop them. Um, yeah. Um, but... Shortly after, I mean, immediately following this scene, as C-Badge is heading into another trench to check on things, there's an explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this sort of slow motion and focusing on his eye and sort of, you know, it's... It's very lost. Yeah, it's it's very lost. You know, it's fine. It's just difficult to describe. Um, but after the slow motion thing ends, uh, it looks like somebody's had their like half their face blown off horrifying 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 yeah C batch is like dazed but doesn't seem like damaged per se uh-huh. but um you know not looking great and Arismendi Arismendi got
1: it in the eye got it in the
0: eye yeah
1: and is screaming and yeah. it's horrifying it's
0: very horrifying
1: but uh batch gets him and calls for a stretcher and he manages to get him on a stretcher right the stretcher passes and then who should step out but our old uh, bloody, bloody battalion of pals, new general, <laughs> General Campion. Yes. Who, I wish he was my dad. Because <laughs> all he says to c is, you're positively filthy. <laughs> I was mad to send you out here. I'm going to send you back. Fall out. Yeah. And so C-Batch gets to go
0: home, guys. Yeah.
1: He's not going to die.
0: Yeah. No, it's true. And this was odd to me. Like, I don't like was that general like general campion wouldn't have been there and then he sort of walks into the light but at the same time that's exactly like what does happen i uh-huh. mean he is getting sent home uh, it's so like i didn't quite figure out where reality was in that scene
1: i thought that the scene where mckechnie said that campion was coming in was a couple of days before this happened
0: right but he wouldn't have been i wouldn't have thought he would be in a trench he's a general
1: i don't think he was in the trench though Okay. I thought he was wherever the medical tent was.
0: Okay. See, that's, yeah, then that that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I'll go with that.
1: You're overthinking, this Schneider.
0: <laughs> uh, Wanup is dreaming, dreaming of Seabatch. Uh, and she's dreaming of getting a kiss on the bosom from him, which it's, is
1: what that book suggested. Right. Uh,. So she did finally rub one out. Yeah. I called that. You
0: did. Way back. You did. She's she's figured out how she's figured out what's going on. Mhm. Yeah. Well, pres- I don't even know how. You know what? Presumably from that book. Yeah, that's true. She said she read quite a lot of it. Well, you know? good for her. Yeah, no. I mean, well done. That uh, book
1: to her is to me as MTV's Undressed was.
0: <laughs> Indeed. I uh, then cuts to the uh trumpeter trumpeting at the the regimental follies or whatever. Followed by, immediately by, cut to, jazz.
1: Uh-oh. Look yeah. out.
0: Yeah. Low morals ahead. Uh-huh. So, as one might expect, the jazz is being attended to by Sylvia. Uh, it's, you know, some nightclub or whatever. And she's sitting, looking rather bored and unhappy. Uh, but she spies Gerald. Gerald Drake.
1: Oh, my. That yeah. brute.
0: Yeah. And uh, she goes up to him and it's like, hey, you know, how's it going? Uh, you know, I've finally gotten over you.
1: And he's like, oh, that's love for you. And she's like, no, no, no. I've gotten over hating you. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, she's like, oh, I'm here with a ghastly set. Would you like to take me on somewhere? That being, of course, uh, his bed. Yeah.
0: Or like, a bed. Yeah, cut to they've already had sex.
1: Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yes. And we see Sylvia rinsing on a contraceptive douche, mm-hmm. and I was so excited. Yes. You never see people practicing contraception in the movies or TV. That's very and true. And I really appreciate that this one had the, uh, you know... The sea batches to go there.
0: That's right. That's right. They did. And, you know, they talk about it a little bit. You know, she's talking about how she doesn't want a memento of this occasion, uh-huh. which, of course, last time, they, what you know, Michael may or may not be a memento. Although he's she says, blonde. Yeah. She says it appears that he's growing up into a teach so that may all have been over nothing. Uh-huh. Gerald mentions that Seabatch has uh, turned down a decoration that he would have received because the general was like, there's a limited number. Mm -hmm. Would you rather it went to somebody who it would do more good for? Uh, And Seabatch, of course, was like, oh, yeah, I always love turning things down. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. And so this is the first that Sylvia's heard that he got wounded. Mm -hmm. Um, And
1: that he'll be coming back.
0: Yeah. Uh, And Gerald also says that the war is pretty much wrapping up Now that the Americans are coming over He says it'll probably be done by Guy Fawkes Day And asks if Sylvia wants, you know, round two of Gerald And And she
1: says, oh no, I'm not going through all that again Which is great
0: (laughs) Yes So, uh, we see up walking along the street And a young boy is asking for a penny for the guy It's Lord (laughs) O.C. That's right uh so clearly Guy Fox Day is approaching. Mm-hmm. Then we see uh Edith, Edith McMaster, uh-huh. uh who yeah, who sees Seabatch arriving home and mm-hmm. going into his door and just like
1: flips out.
0: Yeah. Was very upset.
1: She's very rude. She because is. Because she says that of all the, th- you know, the millions killed, why couldn't a bullet have found him? Yeah. Him who they owe all this money to. Right. And, you know, and McMaster attempts to, it, like, say something.
0: Mainly Guggins.
1: Ugh. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway... The Gugums is try to speak. Right. Uh, anyway, but he's like, you wouldn't understand, because as we know, Seabatch does not lend money. Right. But she says that she's sure she wouldn't understand it, and she says that uh, she extended the hand of friendship to his wife, but the harlot rebuffed her advances. So now it's time to bring the mistress back into the fold. Right. I didn't think I could hate her more.
0: Yeah, well, and, and she also says to McMaster, and now he has us... He by what f-
1: you so singularly lack yes and he does not you know uh, uh well, say that he doesn't because so, he doesn't
0: yeah apparently yeah it's uh yikes balls is what she's talking about <laughs> in case you don't know
1: <laughs> uh yeah so she picks up the phone and calls oh wait but first we see um
0: right so the yeah that was actually jumping ahead a, a little bit because oh i'm sorry yeah no that's all right i figured he might as well say yeah that. Uh, because when Seabatch went into, uh, his Gray's Inn flat that, that Edith saw, he found a note there, gasped, got on a train, arrived at Go- Groby, oh, right. and the tree is gone. Yeah. Just a stump. It's yeah. Just a Groby stump.
1: Yep. It's. Strangely affecting, considering yeah. our very, very, very mixed emotions regarding the Groby tree. However, uh, yeah, we just couldn't believe that she would stoop that low. Yeah. Like, we mm-hmm. didn't understand the Groby tree, yeah, but, but Seabatch did.
0: Yeah, it wasn't her tree.
1: It was very much not her tree. Yeah. Uh so C-Batch, that was a
0: solidly Anglican tree
1: yeah Seabatch goes into her room where she's like laid out in white yeah and this was not handled well by the adapter Tom Stoppard right like because she's saying oh he says he got her note too late and she's saying oh the doctors don't know how long I have left right it was never made clear at any point that she thought she might have cancer or anything. Right. And, like, so then he says, no, I got your note about the tree, and then she drops her whole act. So I'm like, Are right. you really?
0: It kind of like, seems what? like she's just, like, very clumsily faking it. Yeah. Because she's not at all, like, she's way nothing else she does in this series is so like
1: yeah everything else has been plotted more carefully but this yeah. feels like a last ditch effort yeah and she did say to her mother and i didn't i didn't get this the first time we watched it she said to her mother that if he's planning to live with uh you know wan up right. at their flat she's going to strip it mm-hmm. uh, if if that's his intention and that's when you know he walks back in there is no furniture or anything so she's right, taken right. Everything.
0: Yeah, except the books, interestingly enough. Well, there was just piles of books around.
1: You know, what? she doesn't have time to read. She's too busy being crazy. Yeah,
0: that's true. So Sweet Batch is like, peace out, goodbye, I hate you, um, and walks out uninterested in whatever illness she may or may not have. Or his child. <laughs> or his child, right.
1: Well, but I think he pretty much gave him up. Right. Well, first of all, when he said that he could be raised Roman Catholic and then, you know, if my kid didn't write to me during the war, I'd probably be like, you know, maybe we're just not into that each other, <laughs> you know, maybe we're just not meant it, to be. He was only like 8. Well, Tom, this is a fucked up group of people. It very much I is. I don't know we if at the end of the parade, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, these people
0: have a lot of problems. They, they very much do, and Michael will most certainly be carrying on that tradition. Oh, very much so. Yeah. But yeah, Seabatch heads out, looks at the remnants of the groby tree, and sees in the field a motorized plow. It apparently now serves. Mm-hmm. So...
1: And uh, he picks up two chunks of the Groby tree and a bauble and pieces out right. from Groby. Presumably forever?
0: Yeah. It's not clear? I guess.
1: Well, he never wants to see Sylvia again, and she's living there, so.
0: Right. So there's that. So he gets back to his, his flat, and Wanup runs excitedly and uh, catches him just as he's...
1: No, no, no. See, we've missed a step here, because there's a scene of Wanup running home. And she gets oh, home. Oh, you're right.
0: Yeah. I've-
1: she gets home and it's Armistice Day. Right, 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 Presumably. Right. Yeah. It's, again, this... I will say, this episode is not the strongest from a purely plotting standpoint. Yeah. It's like Stoppard got so used to writing the war scenes that he like forgot to like take us along for the other scenes <laughs> yeah but anyway wanup and her mother are very glad because edward is safe and they're safe forever right and the phone rings and so wanup thinks that it's edward calling
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it turns out that it's uh lady mcmaster and right. all we see right. is this from her perspective which is great because yeah. uh valentine is clearly like who and she's like edith and uh so we then see wanup telling uh mrs wanup that mm-hmm. you know he's he's apparently got no furniture or anything and he looks a bit mad yeah and he had asked about her so i guess he has spoken to the mcmasters at some point
0: well or edith says he has yeah anyway
1: and wanup says that he's asked about her oh yeah because she wants her to like
0: right, right. smooth
1: things over Anyway, so Valentine's like, why, why wouldn't he ask me to come there? And her mom's like, he, you know, he wouldn't ruin you among your own people, even right. if you begged him. Yeah. And there's just, uh, this is Miranda Richardson and yeah. Roger Alum. I don't know if they got nominated, but both of them are just like the MVP supporting players here. Absolutely. But she's just like, her, like Mrs. Wanup is crying because yeah. she's like, I will not turn my back on my lifetime of, you know, Victorian schooling. Right. Right. To, to say that you should, I mean, and at no point does she say she's going to stop her. Right. She's just saying, I, you know, I can't approve of this. Yeah. But you know, uh, Valentine is like, yeah, well it's my life, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. And it's, it's really great. It's a really nice mother daughter moment where they have a conflict mm-hmm. and it's irresolvable, but yeah. it's okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, there's excellent, excellent scene.
1: And basically from here on out, I'm just like, no, not from here on out. Almost from here on <laughs> out, I'm crying. But we'll get to yeah. that in a second.
0: Yeah. So then, Wannup runs to see a place and meets him as he's coming out of the door. and they, With
1: his two chunks, or a chunk <laughs> of the groby tree. With a chunk of the
0: groby tree, right. Um, and they're like, hi, you know. Hey, like, remember before? <laughs> right. And she asks "What? why he's carrying a hunk of wood. And he says, I'm taking this to Mark's would you like to come along with me? And it's like, Oh yeah. And, uh, so at Mark's Mark is not looking good.
1: Yeah. Mark's like in his dressing gown, but he looked really bad. Yeah. He looks,
0: yeah. Maybe he
1: really did have the cancer.
0: Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he
1: got syphilis. Could be. I don't know. Again, very unclear. Yeah. Very. I suspect that Ford Maddox Ford was not this vague. About right. the ultimate fortunes of all of these people.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it was like, I don't know, mul- I think it was four volumes.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah so like, plenty of time. Like, yeah. I think Marie Louise with the buttered toast is there as well, although she doesn't speak.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: And uh so Seabatch is like, oh, P.S., look what Sylvia did. And Mark's like, yeah, I told her to do it.
0: Yeah, and he throws the log in the fire.
1: Yeah, and Seabatch is just pretty Seabatch about it. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, okay.
0: Well, I guess that was yours to do with as you please.
1: Well, and Mark was pissed because he brought Miss Juan up there. Right. And he was like, are you divorcing Sylvia? And Seabatch do not care. Right. At all.
0: Yeah. It doesn't care about Mark in any way. He just brought him that log as a courtesy. Yeah. I thought you might like this hunk of a corpse of a tree. <sighs> uh, so they head back to Seabatch's flat and he's like hey, you know what? I'm going up to, uh, I have to take a bath and get my uniform on because my friends are coming over. If they come before I get here, would you like to entertain them? And that's like, you know, the official moment. And it's, he's officially asking her to be his official mistress. Yeah. And it's just such a, you know, I've never seen that as the rev- resolution of a, a romantic plot before. Yeah, you know? it's
1: pretty great, actually. Yeah.
0: But it's exactly what she wanted, and and she's like, yeah.
1: So he, uh, well, but then they get inside. Oh, shit.
0: And Sylvia is looming at the top of the staircase. Wearing an
1: awful, awful coat?
0: Yeah. It's got
1: this huge fur collar, and her makeup looks terrible. She just looks awful.
0: Yeah, it's basically like what Cruello DeVille would wear in hospital. Yeah. Like, it's weird. Um... But she's like, oh, I'm off. The doctors are off to operate on my cancer. And Valentine flips out and is like, liar.
1: Yeah, it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Like, she goes off on her. And Sylvia's like, oh, what, whatever do you mean? Do you know what she means? And he says, yes. She means you like pulling the strings on the shower bath. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, Sylvia has to admit that she's beat here.
0: Yeah. She like, doesn't... she makes
1: one last plea to Christopher, whose face is more wooden than ever. Right. When it comes
0: to her. Well, and she specifically is like, look at her. Like, I can't believe you like her.
1: Yeah. And... Which, you know, girl on girl violence, ladies. Yeah. It's not always about looks. And Miss up is very pretty.
0: Yeah, she is.
1: Like, she's no stunner. I right. mean, Wanup knows she's not as beautiful as Sylvia, but she's also not a raging bitch.
0: <laughs> right. Which helps. There's a lesson in that. <laughs> uh so yeah, that's it for Sylvia. She's gone.
1: Yeah, she bounces yep. and then Seabatch is in the bathtub and uh mm-hmm. Valentine's attempting to make do with what little like folding chairs <laughs> right. and a cot. Yeah. Uh in the in the flat. Mhm. And uh
0: there's a the knocking on the door which which Seabatch hears as he's still getting dressed and he's like, "Ah, uh, you know,
1: my friends.
0: Yeah, and Valentine will be getting it for me mm-hmm. and uh so it's uh McKechnie first, babbling about the sonnet, yep. naturally. <laughs> and then uh Colonel Billiam comes in. Uh,
1: he made it through. He brought the hooch. He's got the hooch. <laughs> he's got the only sweetest thing in the world.
0: That's right. And uh Arismendi comes in with a he's got an eye patch on, but he is there with Minette.
1: Yeah! Yay! It's great. Oh
0: man, this And this- then
1: Aubrey came in also.
0: I uh, already yeah. was
1: around. We never talked about him because yeah, I could but, never get a beat on who he actually was. Right.
0: But he was somebody and he... Uh, he was
1: their only triple cross.
0: No, the uh, no. Victoria's cross. Victoria's cross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was the, the... Which was, I think, the highest medal. I don't there know. There may have been a higher one, but I think that was the highest yeah, and, you know, and McKechnie's like, oh, the old battalion of pals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and everybody... And
1: basically, once Sylvia left, I just cried <laughs> very hard the whole rest of this. Yeah. Because it's very moving, because Seabatch finally has friends, he's finally got WANUP.
0: Yeah, and they're all totally, like, none of them bats an eye at WANUP. They're like, oh, you're entertaining for Seabatch yeah. we well, hear. Well and,
1: and Aubrey says, oh, you're, uh... I, I, I think it was Aubrey. But he's like, mm. oh, you're, uh you know, your Teejan's dear friend. Mm -hmm. He is so great. We all love him. And like, uh, Mendy is like oh you know isn't my Minette great she married me even with this Like, yeah. isn't that incredible and it's yeah. just like amazing and it one is doesn't amazing. bat an right at their uh insane expressions of post-traumatic <laughs> stress either, <laughs>
0: right right
1: which is great
0: yeah but they're all you know and they've they've brought for once they've brought a victrola for innocent fun and happiness yes
1: <laughs> well and and uh, well and Seabatch hasn't even gotten out yet right they're saying he's an old a fat old pal or something
0: Uh, right right they're
1: all just saying what a great guy he is Mm -hmm. which is so awesome because you know getting sent into that battalion i was like oh
0: no (laughs) right no and that's we haven't made clear how very concerned about the ultimate outcome of this oh
1: we were extremely we
0: were worried we
1: actually had to watch this episode after episode four, like before we even right. did the podcast, because I was like, I can't do any more of these recaps.
0: Yeah, we were on edge.
1: If I don't know what happens to these poor fucking people.
0: Yeah, and I, I did not expect such a happy ending no, at all. No, I didn't all. either. I, I mean, really again, didn't. we don't
1: see what happens to Michael. But, uh, <laughs> no, but I mean... You know it's just fantastic, and Seabatch comes out and he's being very Seabatchy, right? Right. But then you know his pals push him toward Miss Wanup and they yeah. start dancing, and mm-hmm. it's just it's wonderful. It's just a wonderful cry-inducing ending for yeah. everyone.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's a few other things in her cut. Oh, we did see Seabatch while he was still upstairs. See McMaster, sort of like across the way. Oh yeah, and cut him uh-huh like,
1: mcmaster tries to wave yeah and Seabatch just closes his curtains yep and it's great <laughs> yeah well no because i mean you know the last time he saw him was at that party right and he had said that they wouldn't abandon valentine which they totally did sure mm-hmm. uh secondly just the longer that war went on it had to have bothered Seabatch more and right. more and more that he didn't right. do anything at all for the war effort well they're
0: just they're not gonna i mean they can't
1: ever have a conversation again
0: right they have
1: no idea what each other's lives are like and i mean he never liked what mcmaster was chasing in the first place Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. and now
1: that he's got it and become this you know sleek fat you know horrible person yeah you know he has nothing left to say to him
0: yeah and Seabatch starts a fire with the groby log he's like hey you know what he's like it's chilly yeah Start Peace fire.
1: out, Robbie Log.
0: It's the first good thing this crazy tree has ever done. <laughs> um, yeah, and everybody's happy. They're singing. They're dancing. Uh, and then there's intercut some scenes of Seabatch and Valentine doing it.
1: Finally, Finally doing, doing it. Finally doing it. Oh. For
0: real. It happens. We
1: both had orgasms <laughs> because it had been such a
0: long wait. <laughs> um,
1: Just spontaneous.
0: Yeah. There's a... Uh, a last five seconds of Sylvia, who is riding uh, alongside General Campion and asks, uh, So if I divorce Christopher, will you marry me?
1: And thus the whole India gambit finally uh, <laughs> makes itself known. And the general does not answer, but he looks quite taken aback.
0: Right. Like, you might want to spur your horse and get out of there, buddy. Well,
1: and, like, knowing (laughs) everything he knows now, it's like, you can't possibly be seriously considerate. But he still loves her. Yeah. I think she's... Whatever. You know what? Yeah,
0: indeed. I throw
1: my hands up with those two. (laughs) Right. I've had it.
0: Yeah. And the the, the final thing in this kind of montage is the official uh, dismissal ceremony of the battalion. Mm -hmm.
1: And again... Tears. Yep. Just. Oh, my shirt was wet was how hard I was crying.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh we end with a final shot of the groby log burning in the fire, which I sort of liked as just like somehow it like <laughs> like at the end of a horror movie, <laughs> you know, with like the yeah. end. Or is it?
1: <laughs> just here saying, I'll be back. <laughs> So that was Parade's End. It was just wow. Yeah, you know, suck it, most other things.
0: <laughs> Indeed.
1: No, it was really well done, it except was. for those very sort of minimal issues that we had with the storytelling. Really, like in the last fifteen minutes of the thing. Right.
0: I mean, there were little things here and there. Yeah, but I
1: mean, really well done. Yeah. It was really great. Yeah. Uh, you know. We're, we're glad to have finished it just because it was kind of gut wrenching all the way through. It was
0: gut wrenching and I just felt like we... It was it was almost too good for us for our podcast. Like right? we just didn't have as much to say about. Yeah, I mean these have been like, really short episodes. Yeah, we of, need like horrifying paintings to make fun of. <laughs> yeah, and
1: like, demon children, right? And like you know Lord Risley <laughs> or uh, you know naked you know uh, version Ivory P flopping around. <laughs> right. Like the, there just wasn't any. Those were It was. I mean, apart from the fact that the, some of the scenes were too dark, and that was just an aesthetic thing. We were like, <laughs> right. we want to see. Yeah. Yeah. This was not, yeah, not good for the snark, but we right. hope that you've enjoyed it anyway.
0: Indeed, indeed.
1: So, uh, we'll be back next week with,
0: with our with an episode that we can guarantee is a good one.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> with uh guest Natasha Muse mm-hmm. returning as we recap uh season 4 episode 7. Of Doctor Who, The Unicorn and the Wasp. That's correct. So uh, fire up your Netflix or whatever. Yeah. Catch up with that.
0: It is on there.
1: And that'll be our last podcast for 2013 before we dive back into Downton.
0: Oh my.
1: So until next time,
0: up up yours yours downstairs, downstairs. luncheon out.